What if I could put him in front of you? The man that ruined your life. If I could guarantee that you'd get away with it, would you kill him? Many New Yorkers are leaving the city in fear of a fifth attack by the fizzle bomber. Maybe he's doing the city a favor. That kind of talk can get you in trouble. No worse than I've already been through. There's something this job has taught me is that truth is stranger than fiction. You're not talking about bartending, are you? I'm not talking about bartending. Follow me right in here. Here we go. Deep breath. We're in 1963. That's impossible. I'm a temporal agent. We prevent crime before it takes place. The fizzle bomber. This next explosion will leave 11,000 dead. You can do this. You have skills you've never had the chance to use, and I can give you that chance. I get to be a temporal agent? If you prove yourself. Do I have a choice? You always have a choice. Ten, nine, I always eight, knew something was different seven, about me. Six, You're a gift five, given to the world nine, through a predestination paradox. You're the only one. You're going to save millions of lives. You must complete your mission. You must lay the seeds for the future. Here you are, at the beginning of your new life. I know where I come from. Where do all you zombies come from? You're here to create history and influence what is to come. Time catches up with us all. The path you're on will take you to your destination. <laughs> it's not like this is a convoluted movie we're discussing. No, it's pretty straightforward. It's uh, A to B to 3.14. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Now many, many years ago when I was 23, I was married to a widow who was pretty as could be. This widow had a grown-up daughter, had hair of red. My father fell in love with her and soon the two were wed. This made my dad my son-in-law and changed my very life. My daughter was my mother cause she was my father's wife. To complicate the matter even though it brought me joy, I soon became the father of a bouncing baby boy. My little baby then became the brother-in-law to dad And so became my uncle, though it made me very sad For if he was my uncle, that also made him the brother Of the widow's grown-up daughter, who of course was my stepmother I'm my own grandpa I'm my own grandpa It sounds funny, I know, but it really is so For I'm my own grandpa father's wife then had a son that kept him on the run good morning welcome to uh the first film room after a certain moment in american history that we all know about i'm opening this cast in this light because i want to say something and i think it's important as we go forward to keep this in mind we all have our roles to play in society and the arts have a vital role to play the arts teach us our values the arts teach us what to believe, what to think. They, they show us other worlds. The arts can make us stronger. How many of us have come out of a movie 
that didn't reflect our life experience but made us understand that person's life experience more for the better. The arts are such a beautiful thing. As we have done in the past on the film room, we've celebrated the art, films like Dope, films like even as silly as it was, Huevos, foreign films, uh, movies from around the world, movies that reflected different experiences. We've celebrated that stuff. And then we've trashed the art that did the opposite, that degraded us, that made us feel worse. We at the film room have never hesitated to take stands for the things that we believe in. And that's not that hasn't changed in the past, and that won't change today. We are proud to continue to fight for the things that we believe in and for the values that we care about. And we're going to be here till the end, y'all. With that in mind, let's... Never give up, never surrender. Here, here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> never give up, never surrender. That's what we do here. And so let's, let's have some fun. So with that in mind, good morning. We have a guest with us today. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Albert Muller, also known as AJ. Welcome. How you doing? Yeah. Glad to be here. And we have a doozy of a film today. Um, I'm going to start by saying right now that uh, we're going to be covering the movie Predestination, and if you haven't seen it, spoilers will be on. They will be on <laughs> harder than any cast we've ever done. Yeah, there's, there's no way we can't. It is utterly impossible to discuss. Wouldn't it be kind of difficult to have a conversation about it? (laughs) Yeah, you can't can't possibly. It would be like a one-minute conversation that would end and just say, okay, we'll go see it. And you can't really talk about it unless you're talking about it. Yeah. It it defies defies spoiler-free. It really does. Even the trailer kind of feels like it gives away a few elements that you don't want it to give away. Uh and the trailer, they tried hard. I watched the trailer they cut for it. It's a, it's a good trailer. But even the trailer does kind of, it at least gives away one element of the film that you're like, oh, that's kind of something to know. Um, which is ironic because I actually watched this movie going in knowing exactly where it was going. Because I'm a fan of the Robert Heinlein story that it's based on. I was I was blind. I did not watch a trailer. I did not. I hadn't heard of it beside, you know, outside of Austin's uh, saying the word predestination. Yeah, so I I was good. I had heard the story years ago, so I knew the quote unquote twist, but I had forgotten a lot of the little details and and uh, the way that they went about visualizing and uh, executing all these ideas was kind of new to me. And you know, I mean, Sarah Snook may look kind of like. Leonardo DiCaprio hung out with Jodie Foster and, you know, whatnot, a little bit of the accused there and everything, but you can tell, you know, as good as the makeup is and as great as a, a job as she does, that's pretty evident, I think. It's not, not like that's going to be a twist to anybody who's ever seen a movie before. Right. Well, it's not, well, it's not like she's supposed to look like the most hard masculine person on earth anyway. No, even, no, yeah. the, even the Heinlein story kind of describes the character as looking odd. I mean, that yeah. said, it is fantastic makeup. So, um, Oh dear God, we have to, I have to try and do a plot synopsis for this movie <laughs> at, at the start of it. Oh Good luck. God. Good luck. I salute Nathan, you, sir. Nathan, damn you for saying that this was a good idea so that we could get on to actually discussing the movie. Because now, this has come back to bite me in the ass. So as I said, 
Full spoilers are on. Yes. Uh, the movie starts with a uh, person who we don't really see being injured in a bombing. Uh, that person goes through surgery, comes out looking like Ethan Hawke, who is, who's, what'd you say? Woohoo. Yeah. Which, yeah, admittedly, there's, <laughs> God, there's a million worse ways that your surgery could come out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah, as he gets, bastard. <laughs> no. Especially as he gets older, it's like, dude, what the hell? Um, Hey, yeah. you can you can watch him age in real time in Boyhood. Yeah, this is just a side note to point out that many people are starting to wonder why anybody thinks Boyhood is a masterpiece. I have a lot of reasons why I think Boyhood is a masterpiece. So that just going to leave it at that. Boyhood is a masterpiece. Yeah, the criteria. Okay. Yeah, the Criterion sale is going on right now. That's one I might pick up. <laughs> I didn't even know that was on. Oh yeah, yeah. They just. I... It's been this year that they put it out on the Criterion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either they have released it or they're going to, but I think they have. Yeah, I think it's out. Um, it deserves it. God, it deserves it. Uh, yeah. It also has a uh, really, it has a really cool cover that I dig. Uh, that movie. That's that a, movie. That's a great movie. And this is a wonderful distraction, but, but I was having fun listening to Austin try to, you know, sum up the movie. Come on, Austin, you can do it. <laughs> okay. Hey. Is... So anyway, let's get back to this. So let's get back to this. Let's power through. So anyway. Hawk, uh, Hawk's character, we see him he, recovering from surgery because he's been blown up. He mm. goes to work as a bartender where he meets a uh, young man who is referred to as the unwed mother in the Robert Heinlein story. This is the first of Snook's incarnations. And this young man, uh, who really looks exactly like Dane DeHaan in uh, Chronicle, it is seriously, mm. the makeup does deserve credit for that. Tells the story of what happened when he was a little girl. This young man tells this story when he was indeed female and uh, played by Snook. And this is the this is our uh, this is our boy. Where do I? Uh, let's go with this is our third character that we meet, Jane, who um, has uh, who is an orphan, who is. Um, Wants to be an astronaut uh, in the 60s, but because she's a woman, is instead basically put into a program that's kind of like just on the verge of prostitution. It's really gross and disgusting, and this is also straight out of the Heinlein story. Wow. Yeah, she has. She winds up falling in love with a guy who we never see, who is uh, who impregnates that, her. By the way, that was my first clue that something was up. Yeah, when you don't good rule of thumb, if you don't see someone's face in a movie, there is a reason. Yeah, when the movie either through editing or shot choice or uh, narrative choice is trying to hide something from you, something is up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and doesn't that kind of screw us as people who love movies and watch so many movies to a degree? Because even if we're not looking for those kind of things, as soon as they happen, the moment they happen. Our brain, yeah, like, you know, not to be pretentious or arrogant or anything. But right, like, right. No, no, no. We watch all these we things know. and we're like, we, we understand story and and mm-hmm. how it's done and how it's told and all, you know, and whatnot. And then it happens, and our brain kind of sets off that alarm. The red flag goes up. Yeah. And then you're paying attention in a different way, and it's not so much that it takes you out of the story. Right. It 
focuses it forces you to focus on a different part of the story that you might just be following along the narrative in a different way, and then suddenly, wait, why am I not seeing that guy's face? Exactly. In, in a movie like Predestination, even where you know, I mean, for you, Albert, you didn't you, you went in kind of cold, but for someone like Austin or myself who who knew Austin knew it really well, I remembered pretty much what happened. I went and reread this story after I saw the movie, but that just, it's like you said, there's a reason for it. It's yeah, not yeah. even so much the introducing the gun in the first act, so you use it in the third. It's its the prestige where why is Borden never shown? You know, that kind of thing. Right, yeah. Exactly. Or, or why do they keep talking about brother imagery, which I really am so mad that I didn't catch on to that early. <laughs> Yeah, I love good. Prestige so much. We just talked about that one at length on our last cast. Oh, wow. yeah, that movie's fantastic. Well, I, let me just it, really quick interject because there is one more example. There's a great example of that that I want to talk about before I get back to the plot synopsis. But in Shutter Island, there's the bit where the woman is described, where the patient is describing a, a doctor who we oh. don't see, but man, does the camera linger on Mark Ruffalo's character. For a yep. long time while she's describing this man. Wow. That and is, she says something uh, not so much romantic, but kind of like she has a crush on him or she yeah. finds him attractive or cute. And he not smirks, but like there's a little like, aw. Kind of like, <laughs> yeah. He, he looks almost embarrassed. Like like he's about to blush, but he's trying to, to, to be cool. He, he's, he's trying to stay in character. Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wow, oh, wait, Albert! If you haven't seen Shutter Island, that's a no, massive. It's, I've seen yeah. it. It's been a long time, but I've seen it. But it's oh man, because the yeah, that's boy, that's that that that's one where Scorsese wasn't even subtle playing his hand there. But you know what, Scorsese, I expect that. Uh, I love that Shutter movie, Island. Well, I, the feeling I got watching that movie was Scorsese. He's been around for as long as he has he, he makes this movie he's like i've never really made a movie that could even really be categorized as a horror movie before like cape fear could be yeah. intense and was a thriller but this will have some you know not a slasher or anything like that but moments like shock corridor and just Whoa! oh yeah know, this and is, this is totally a horror that. movie yeah and, and not only am i going to do that i am martin scorsese and i i am going to throw Every ounce of skill, every bit of technique I have learned, everything that I have absorbed over the years as a filmmaker and a film watcher, all of this considerable skill, and I am going to throw it all up on the screen. And it's all in there. He does. He goes off. I love that movie. I love that movie. I really, that's just, anyway, anyway, let's get back. Let's get back, because it's only going to get harder for me. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what we try to do. We try to give people tangents that actually enhance the film. Okay, so I'm going to try and get back to this. Um, okay, so she she gets impregnated, but the young man disappears immediately. Again, we don't see his face. Um, she has her baby. The baby gets stolen from the hospital. Um, she uh, then discovers in the hospital that she's actually a hermaphrodite. <laughs> a fact that she did not know that and uh, she gets surgery and is basically pushed into transitioning into a male which is how she winds up becoming uh the unwed mother uh, which is what the character because the, the idea is that the character uh, writes for those like true confessions magazines 
uh, that they still have, by the way. Those are actually still all over the newsstands, believe it or not. Oh, I believe and so, it. I believe it. And that's the character that uh, he plays is the unwed mother. So she transitions into he, and then uh, and then Hawk's character finishes. So he finishes this story, tells it to Hawk's character, who then reveals that time travel exists. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and by the way, time travel is a thing. <laughs> yeah, by the way, believe me, it's a big thing in this movie. Hawk's we character. Can circle back around to the first line of the movie, if I could put him in front of you? Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Which, is, which has multiple meanings throughout this movie. Yeah. Um, a lot of circles. A lot of circles. So many <laughs> yeah. circles. Uh, <laughs> this movie defines Ouroboros. Um Mm-hmm. I so 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 what we find out is that uh, Hawk's character, the temporal agent, has basically come back, has basically come to this moment in time to recruit uh, the unwed mother into joining the organization. And his idea is that, and the first thing that he does is vows to help the unwed mother get revenge on the guy that impregnated them. I have to say, I have to interject here. Just to say, like, the, probably the one thing that, you know, speaking of, you know, giving your movie away through shot choice and lines and blah, blah, blah. The one thing that, like, borderline pissed me off, like, it wasn't that big a deal, really, but the one thing that borderline pissed me off was when uh, he was leading her, uh, well, him downstairs. And uh, he started. He just randomly belts a line of "I'm my own grandpa." Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, um, I kind of okay. get it now. That's a, yeah. No, I, I had just asked if that was a that song was in the story as well. Uh, I don't think it. I don't think it was. I mean, it was certainly around when uh, he uh, when Heinlein wrote the story. Uh, yeah. But I don't think it was, and I'm kind of glad it wasn't. Be- because it would have really, really tipped. It's way too wink, 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 wink. <laughs> yeah, like I, it, I rolled my eyes at that moment. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been better like if they had, you know, there's a jukebox in that bar. If it had been playing uh, at some point. Yeah. That would have been like uh, a rewatch moment where you go, ah, ah, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but, but no, it's... But yeah, that song that so anyway, he vows so he offers to take the uh, unwed mother back in time to uh, get revenge and kill the man that uh, impregnated them. Except that they go back in time and find them find out that they themselves are the person that impregnated themselves. Yes, they fought they go back in time start to court themselves and fall in love with themselves rather deeply, actually. And in fact, the scene between the two versions of Snook interacting is actually really touching and really well done. You, you it's, it's on an allegorical level. It's someone coming to terms with themselves in a way that they haven't really done so before. And it's, fascinating it's gripping uh there's not a lot of double uh there's not a lot of split screen in it there's not a lot of camera tricks it's a lot of over the shoulder shots 
but it's but I think it's all the more effective because we're not looking for the camera trickery. We know how it's done. It we know it's it's subtle. But anyway, so well, as the I point said, of that scene is not the special effects, and it's not how did they do this. It's not it's it's story. The, the, the things that impresses you there is not that. It's all on their faces because that's where the story is. That's what the point of that scene is. Like you said, it's incredibly moving, and that yeah. line destroys me when uh, Snook as John says to Snook as Jane, "You're beautiful. Someone should have told you." That yes, kills me. And oh. and that the, the fact that it just cuts back and forth between their faces. It's not like, hey, hey, look, we we know how to do special effects. We can put them in the same scene, and it looks seamless and no one know we all know everybody yeah. knows that's not where the story plays the whole point of it is the emotion of it and like you said someone coming to terms with something they never did a part of themselves they were angry and lost and all of those things and when you when we all look back at different places that we were at in our lives especially when we were lacking something that we needed horribly who better than and ourselves. ourselves to know what it was we ourselves. needed and to provide to, to be there for yourself in a way that either no one else can or for her no one else really was and so he gave himself something that he needed and that's that's a beautiful thing and, and, and the way that snook plays all, all of it, it it's it's subtle and it's straightforward at the same time it's just she is amazing in this movie. Let's just say that right now. Robbed I don't know that Oscar. I've ever seen a bolder... That's, that's, a lot of people talk about brave in acting. Yeah. What she did, and it has nothing to do with nudity or putting herself in a compromising position or doing anything that like, you know, sitting in a water tank for 12 hours a day for five weeks straight. Nothing right. like that. It's, it's emotional rawness and yeah. nakedness. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, she is completely in this movie. It is, I, I as I said, for my money, robbed of an Oscar, not even a nomination. If mm. if this movie had gotten a proper release, which it, in my opinion, did not. If it had gotten, yeah, I had it, heard it, of it before this cast. It was. I'm not saying that it would have ever been a 2000 screener release, but if it had been treated like a prestige film, if it had been treated. Like the serious piece of work that it was, if it wasn't released in January, more or less dumped and given a video on demand release at the same time, it is just wrong. But anyway, getting back because I've got so much more plot to tear into. The f- real quick, real quick, the the uh, the Red Lair Media guys have a term for that. It's called. Speaking of movies, do you know what month it is? Fuck you! It's January. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, this this was not a January release. I, I just cannot stress this enough. So anyway, getting back to this, because this is the fun part of my job. Oh, yes. So anyway, he is really starting to fall in love with her. But the temporal agent steps in and says, nope, you have to go. You have to leave her right now. Like you know the you know how this goes down you can't change it and yep. uh, you know why now. Yeah, this movie makes it very clear time cannot be altered. 
there, we're not left with any doubt about about where this movie stands on that. Uh, it's like, did you not see the damn title walking in? I was just going to say, it's called Predestination. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't leave a lot of room for interpretation. It's <laughs> Yeah, no, this movie is very clear. Then we find out uh, that he has in that uh, the temporal agent has enlisted um, the unwed mother into his core and that, you know, they're going to be going back in time and basically like, you know, making alterations, alterations that's implied were necessary and were always going to happen and that they were the agents of. So wrap your head around that. Um. Yeah, there's so much going – there is so much complications going on. Once this happens, the perspective shifts pretty much completely to the temporal agent as we find out that the temporal agent was the one that went back in time and stole the baby. And this is where, and this is where it's going to get even more mind-screwy. Um, he stole the baby from the hospital, and there is that great scene of him holding the baby, which – at this point in the film, we're supposed to be starting to figure it all out. You, since you since you can't say it on the cast, I will say it's a mind fuck. It is a total. It is a total. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, AJ, you can. It's just a personal rule that I don't. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> There's that amazing scene of uh, Hawk holding the baby and looking at it, and uh, his face in that scene is just—I mean—it's powerful. He puts the baby with an orphanage where, again, I'm stressing that this is a movie that's really playing with your mind. The baby grows up to be Jane. Mm-hmm. Where yep. we saw her grow up. Well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So that, so yes, it turns out that the baby that they had, so it turns out that this character is her own mo- mother and father. Yes, that is the thing. And we're not done. We're not done because they're because it's only going to keep coming. Um, <laughs> we also find out that the person that was blown, the person that was uh, blown up uh, in that bombing at the start was John Jane, and that that's right. The temporal agent is also the same character. <laughs> yes. Oh, and, and 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 just because we're not done, he finally gets a shot to track down the bomber who is an, a, a completely new addition, by the way. This That entire plot line. I wondered, be, because it's like they uh, they have that in there, and then it's like, okay, well, how does the bomber fit into all this? And, it, and really, by the time that you see the bomber's face, you should have figured it out by this point. Yeah, yeah. The, bombers, the bomber is Dun Dun Dun, also played by Ethan Hawke. The bomber <laughs> is the... Adult, the bomber is an older version who has lost their mind due to time travel, due to constantly time traveling. And they're convinced that they're going back in time and stopping things from happening. Well, isn't it the explanation something like uh, you can't go? Um, yes. Yeah, you can't go past this point, like 50 years uh before well, it's also after. that you can't go back so many. You can only go back so many times. Gotcha. You have oh. a limited number of jumps before it starts doing severe damage to your uh, right. <laughs> hence, hence why he has to de- uh, decommission his uh, time. But his it, time. But base. it doesn't work. It doesn't but it doesn't work. work when he decommissions it. So in the end, he find he finds himself having 
to kill the bomber. But and he's and telling himself that he won't become the bomber, even though again we've all seen the title of the movie, <laughs> and it ends with just a very uncertain, unsettling note as this character realizes at his core what his fate is going to be. He brought himself into this world. He takes himself out. <laughs> And that's and the movie. Misses himself that he was in love with so long ago. Yes, right. yes, he does. I've thought so much about that, um, especially when I've been dealing with grief because I've been dealing with some severe grief in my life and OS since I saw it. So that's the movie. And even me having described the plot, I'm sure that most of you probably will have no idea what the hell I'm talking about until you see it. <laughs> right. And even then, maybe not. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I it's... know people who've seen this movie three or four times and they don't they don't feel as if they completely have a handle on it yeah and i mean i which i get i get uh, the first time i saw it, i felt i kind of pretty much understood what was going on there were certain things that clarified themselves in subsequent viewings but it's, it is it's, i mean like i said it, it defining ouroboros I mean, it 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 is not a movie where you can say, you know, it starts here, it ends there. It is a series of circles. It, it, and I'm so glad that even Noah Taylor, who by the time the movie's over, we realize that Noah Taylor is really the only other main character in the movie. He doesn't yes. do anything. Everything that happens to the main character, he either does to himself or is done to him by himself. Right. Depending yeah. on what side he's looking at it from. Um, he's, he, he, he steals the baby. He puts the baby in the orphanage. He, he actually created the baby on both ends. It, it, he kills himself. Everything in between the scene where he, he uh, we first really see this, the fizzle bomber without seeing his face, which again is another example of that point where, well, we see Ethan Hawke in a, a fight scene with this other person, the bomber. Why are we not seeing the other person? Oh, okay. I know why. Yeah. And that, that set up. But Noah Taylor has that line probably with about a half an hour to go or so. This is not a long movie either, which is no, probably no. to its benefit. It's, it's right about 90 minutes. If it tried to stretch all this shit out to like <laughs> two hours plus. It'd be exhausting. Uh, no. no. Yeah. It, 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 it just puts you through the ringer as it is. And, and not in terms of emotional, although there's definitely that, but trying to keep up with it and trying to go, okay, wait. And then especially if you're a person who tries to get ahead of the story you're watching to try to figure out where it's going. You're, it, it keeps you busy and on your toes. But w what I was going to say was Noah Taylor's line. He even specifically says the snake that eats its tail. Yeah. And that the whole, the thing that blows my mind about the movie and the story and the way it's set up is they call him the predestination paradox. And my question is, and apologies to you, Austin, but I can get away with this. Where the fuck did he come from? <laughs> right. That's the question because it, the way I see it is, I'm looking, I'm looking down on basically what's like a map, and on that map is all of the little lines that represent all of the humans that have ever been in existence. They just go in a direction and stop. And he's basically a loop that was just dropped into that map. Mm -hmm. But from where? So, I mean, you can go into questions of theology or creationism or what, what, what is what. 
it, was it just a spontaneous thing? He was needed for one reason or another, so therefore he or she appeared, or it, it, it can break your mind. It's like, which is how you know just this, even thinking about it. Which I, is how you know this movie is, What I was going to say is that's how you know this movie is based on a Robert Heinlein story. Because <laughs> trying to think it out, oh, th- this movie, and, and I really want to stress, aside from adding the bomber plot line, which I actually think is a brilliant touch because A, it allows them to Hollywood it up a little bit, and B, allows for that last step of taking themselves out, which was not in the original story, and and in my opinion, actually makes it far stronger for having done so. Yeah, this is actually really pretty much note for note, uh, All You Zombies, which was the name of the original story. Hmm. And it, yeah. and that and that quote is even in the movie. It's even in the trailer, which, uh, oh. yeah, yeah. That's that's actually even in the trailer, which is why it's actually a really phenomenally cut trailer. It's one of the best cut trailers for a movie like this I've ever seen. Uh, I love that line too. I know where I came from, but where did all you zombies come from? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it, a great. It is. It is such a great line and. Uh, but yeah, this, it's just, yeah, seriously, it would break your brain trying to figure this out. But, and that's the point. The movie wants you to be thinking about these things. It wants you to be awake. It wants you to be alert. And you're right at 90 minutes. It's really the perfect time. I don't think a movie based on a short story should be longer than two than two hours, unless it's like Brokeback Mountain where there actually is two and a half hours worth of story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I still haven't seen since I saw it in theater, which I need to remedy. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you do. Yeah, you do. That's a good film. Um, yeah, I mean, once you get past, you know, you were saying about how uh, you know beautiful the romantic kind of a kind of subplot. I mean. Uh, it's kind of the plot, but at the same time, it's, it's plot. Yeah, but. You know, it's kind of like the the first time you watch it, like you really, in order to shake out how beautiful that is, you really have to get around how fucked up it is. That's pretty much this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is it incest? <laughs> is it self-cest? Is it, I mean, yeah, if you really stop and think about this, it's... Fucked up. Ooh. It's weird. <laughs> but that's what makes it great, in my opinion. Yeah. And what I really think makes this movie so great is that it's not just about the gimmick of the story. No, 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 no. Not at all. Because if it was, it would be a, if it was, it would be it wouldn't even be a Twilight Zone episode. It would be a uh we'll go with Modern Outer Limits episode, because I don't like that show very much, so Yeah, I did neither. It was yeah. Yeah. That's what you would have. You wouldn't have... It would entirely be about the gimmick. It would It would be one of those movies that only exists to sucker punch you with the ending, if that was all that you had. There, there's say, a lot more going on than just that. There's a lot yeah. more. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely does want to lead you up to, like, uh, this amazing realization, and like this, whoa. You know, and it, it, but... It, it, Along the way, all of the things it shows us, especially that early part yeah. where 
John, the the unmarried mother, is telling the temporal agent the story for the bottle. You know, uh, yeah, I got the best story you ever heard. All yeah. uh, as you're watching it the first time, you can it's it's fair to wonder like why are we seeing all this? Is this right? Are we padding out the time? Yeah. What is this? It is literally everything to do with everything. Yeah, it is. And that's nothing in the movie is inessential to me. Like mm. I, I feel it's nothing. It's all perfectly, perfectly placed. It's it's clockwork really, which it has to be. If you're gonna script and then execute something like this on screen, um, to put it one way, it's gotta be scripted tighter than a duck's ass or it's gonna fall apart. Yeah. It's gonna it, it's gonna confuse people just by the very nature of it anyway. But if, if it confuses them to the point where it loses them either emotionally or in terms of wanting to follow the story in interest, that's what's going to happen. They're just going to lose interest. They're going to be pissed off that they don't understand what's going on. They're going to yeah. check out and then you're done. Yeah. You're screwed. You're yeah, the, Your movie is yeah. dead. And you don't know it. You may have another hour left to go, but you're dead in the water. You're just treading. And, it and really does not do that. It's a brilliant move uh, to have that thing at the beginning, like the you know bomber and then the face change, and then suddenly be plunged into this almost uh, seemingly mundane thing. It's like, what was that about? Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm with you, movie. Yeah. So give, give me what you got. And, and, I, <laughs> and a lot of people are using that gimmick right now in storytelling of you start with something and, you know, then you double back to it. And that can get really irritating. Limitless did this, and... Uh, yeah, I, I don't like Limitless very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but this, on the other hand, it has to go this way because that's exactly how this story has to be structured. Yeah. I mean, it's the... it's the And also, again, because of the source material, that is pretty much how the source material goes. So, you know, again, the bombing part is a new part, but it still kind of starts similarly. Um, and but I, I have to say... I- I agree with you so much that the addition of the bomber into the movie proper, not just Hollywooding, uh, Hollywooding it up, um, if that's a word, and I'm pretty positive it's not. Uh, <laughs> it is now. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> Anything can be Change a word if you wordify it. At a time. Um, that that's brilliant, and it, it does add you know more exciting elements. You do get to have a couple fist fights, um, some explosions, some scenes and you know it, it's exciting and it's fine but i think what what you said austin really is what hammers it home to me as essential to this filmed version of this story which is that we see on screen this loop closed mm-hmm. the loop is closed and we don't it have that in the high line story yeah it doesn't just kind of leave you and there's nothing wrong with ambiguity ambiguity is great and you know well it depends, you know, there's one side and another. But, uh, if it had just kind of ended and you had known that he used to be a girl and then after he became a guy, went back in time and fell in love with himself as a girl and they had a baby and then he went back and stole their baby himself and replaced, you know, and all, if he knew all that, it would be sad and could be treated as a tragedy and, and everything like that. And it could end on an uncertain note or just a really depressing downer note where 
he's gone through the points, all the points in his life that he's lived up to until that moment where it, it, the move, the movie we see ends, and he says, "I miss you dreadfully." Where it goes up to that point, he doesn't have any other places in his life that he can drop himself into to have that love again. That's gone. Oh, yeah. That is over, and he will never have that again. And if the movie had ended more or less like that, that would have been powerful to a degree and very moving, and you would have walked out a little sad or or emotional or whatnot. But here, at least we know... We don't have any questions about, well, gosh, is he just kind of kind of wander now and try to find love with another or something? No, we know what happens to him, and it does not go all that great for him. Yeah. Which is not exactly uplifting, but, you know, it, it, it does provide us in the audience with the closure of closure, yeah. seeing that loop yeah. visually closed. It takes this story to its logical extent. Is what it does. And yeah. at the end of the day, if this character birthed themselves, isn't the most logical ending that they end themselves? <laughs> and, and it surprises me, honestly, that Heinlein didn't think that up. Because he obviously thought this story through so much. And, I'm, and that's what makes this such a great adaptation, is that it does go that extra step that really should have gone in the story. Uh, and, and that's why... That's why, if I'm pressed, I prefer the movie to the uh, story, frankly. Blasphemer. And, and not. <laughs> and not I'm sorry, by... I was just I was speaking for a certain contingent of the internet. I agree with you, but I just figured we'd get that out of the way. Shake a finger at you, and you know that. Oh, not acceptable, Mister Chin. Not acceptable. The book is always better. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm allowed. So you, I'm with you. I'm with you. I hope Albert is too. Are you with us, Albert? I'm with you, awesome. even though okay. I have never read the original story, so I cannot. I do not have a vantage point there. Again, well, it's it's a great story, but it's just I don't know, and it really is. And I want to say something too about that first act. What really makes it work is that we're gripped just because of Snook's performance. Yeah. In, in that in that first sequence when she is Jane, uh, and and we're gripped. She is so. She is so alive as an actress. Uh, she has got to become something huge. I really, it just has to happen because someone, you know, she almost got the girl with the dragon tattoo. It was her and Rooney Mara, is what I understand. Is it did come down to those two? Oh, huh. that would have yeah. been interesting. That would have been. That would have been interesting. Um, and, and it's one of those cases. I I can't really say that's a a loss on either side. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, Mara had to be a thing. That that was that was thing that we needed. Uh, but I, I do really feel like this was just that she she seriously she has to break out because she is just obscenely good in this movie. So alert, so just holding the screen in those early scenes, conveying this intelligence that the character needs. And I think that that makes She's it all the more. Fighter. Yes, and the we character of Jane it. is a fighter, and that's hugely important. Hugely important. And we believe it. That's the thing. We believe it. We are there with her. It's just, it is such a great performance. It really is. Uh, I, I cannot Obscene, say. Uh, obscenely talented is a really good way of putting it. I mean, some yeah. people just kind of show up and announce themselves. 
She didn't so much kick the door open to say, here I am. She kicked it across the damn room. I feel yeah. like, like, like it's with authority. The way and she think, played the part, too. I mean, just here I am. This is what I can do. And I think what you were talking about earlier with its release, and it's still horribly, ridiculously, terribly underseen as a film. Yeah. It, it's, it, 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 it should not be as under the radar as it is. People should know this movie. Anyone who... Yeah. There's tons of people who... This is... Maybe it's a bad play on words, but I think it would be fair to call it, even though it's a recent one. This is kind of a granddaddy of the science fiction mm-hmm. time travel flick to me. It really yeah. is. It's just so, yeah. so... You could almost say, in a way, it's the final word on... on if you want to do a time travel movie that deals with paradoxes, boom, can't do better than this one. Can't, yeah. Can't, yes. I think it, it, really is, it really is very much that. And I, and I, I do believe that. I, I don't know... I don't mean I if I knew if I knew how to top this I would do it believe me uh as a writer because but I mean I don't know I I I really do feel like uh, I don't know I I think here's what I think would be great would be if this film was on Netflix or something uh because because I'll say this going on Netflix what that did for the Babadook yeah in terms of cultural penetration is through the roof because that's how I saw that movie. Same, I own it now. I mean, it is what it is. Netflix is that's that's the way. That's yeah. that's the way a lot of people get their entertainment these days. That's the route you take. It, like you said, if you want to get penetration into the public consciousness, if you want saturation, if you want people to talk about it or discover it, you know. That, how good that would be for the movie. Are you listening, Netflix? You should be. Put Predestination yes. on there. Please. I mean, if, uh. and here's the thing Netflix knows that sci fi works. Ask them how that little eight episode series that they uh, picked up, ask them how that did. Yeah. I have ask no idea. Uh, and I definitely haven't watched it five times already to this point in its entirety. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Love it so much. I. I that was one. Here's how I knew that Stranger Things was penetrating the culture was when I was at uh, the dentist's office and I heard the the receptionist just foaming about it, just ranting and raving about how much they loved it. Yeah. That's where it's at. It's when you get the average person on the street that isn't tapped into cult stuff. And you get them and you hold them like that show held people. And I don't see any reason this movie couldn't have the same effect as what it comes down to. Exactly. Exactly. And something like Stranger Things and, and, you know, this to a degree, people just, it seems really stupid and almost reductive to get it down to this point. But people just love love what they love. They don't always have an agenda. They don't always have a reason. Like you said, it's not necessarily having to do with the cult it's predicting box office numbers for or ratings for something like stranger things that lady was talking about that because she saw something she loved and she wanted to talk about it that's literally word of mouth that's what it is it's not i'm trying to get this movie a profile i'm trying to do my part to market for this movie she had no agenda on her mind whatsoever she just couldn't help but talk about it because it moved her I hadn't watched the show. I hadn't watched the show until then, 
but seeing how people reacted to it made me want to watch it, and then I joined in. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's how I feel about this movie is I feel like if people would see it, because the people that I know that have seen it talk about it. Mm-hmm. it. It hits them. Aside from the people that I've met who proudly boast, oh, I figured it out early on, and I'm like, you're missing you're the missing point. The point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, I knew walking in. It's not, this isn't a drum that you open it and you find out what makes it boom. This is, this is, and, and this is such a beautifully shot. It kills me that I haven't brought up the writers and directors on this, the Spirit Brothers. I haven't said their names yet mm, because right. they really killed it on every level on this film. This is a gorgeously shot movie. It's a, it's they're, they're, it's so well edited. It's so well put together on the every design is ridiculous. Yeah. The production design, especially when Jane is doing the flashback, when, like you said, the, the prostitution program in space, that whole sequence. Yeah. It doesn't look like, it doesn't look like the sixties as we experienced them. It looks like the idea of the futuristic sixties that people had in the late yes. 40s, early yeah. 40s. It's like an idea of that time that never quite came to be, but was present in the art and the, uh, you know, all, artwork, TV shows, movies, and, and whatnot from that period. The production design is on point. The editing, like you said, is on point. The makeup is on point. Jeez, even the score, which was also which, done by one of the Spirit Brothers, Peter. Yes, Dillon, it was. I was going to point that out. Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, I mean, they are ridiculously talented. And on the one hand, I'm kind of pissed off that we don't get a movie from them at least like once every two years. But on the other hand, when their movies that do come out are so good, the selfish side of me that just wants more good so, stuff has so to take I, a back seat to the logical side that understands. Though do I have maybe to acknowledge are so good? Hmm? Though can I interject and say, do I have to acknowledge what their next movie is? Cause I kind of don't want to. Their next movie is the, is the next Saw movie. Oh, what? no. Well, maybe they'll maybe they'll take it out of the drinks that it's in. <laughs> yeah, which on you the one what? hand... I, I bet it'll be good. I bet it'll be good. And, on, and we can't ignore, this is the franchise that gave us James Wan, so... True. <laughs> You know, well, James Bond gave us this franchise, whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And Saw Six is really good. Yeah, I, I would guess have I to imagine that if the Spirigs are going to take part in that, they're going to do something where, if nothing else, Saw Six you can point to and say this was this had something to say. You know, you may not yeah. agree, you may not like how it was said, but it had something to say. I, I personally yeah. did a good job at it, but the Spirigs, I would imagine, if they're going to as we would probably view it, lower themselves to do a Saw movie, they know what the hell they're doing. And I would imagine that if they're going to do it, they've got their reasons. Maybe they'll pull a Mike Flanagan on uh, the Ouija franchise and do something really special. Because, you know, we just had that proven that uh, you could be surprised uh, because I've heard so much great about Ouija Origin of Evil. Really? Yeah, I've actually heard that that is apparently just a killer possession movie. Holy shit. Uh, but it's because they hired uh, Mike Flanagan, who knows what he's doing. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> do, do, wasn't he the guy 
Who did Krampus? No, no that's Michael Doherty. Okay. However, I like talking about what Michael Doherty's about to do because that makes me happy. Yeah? Uh, Michael Doherty's next movie will probably be Godzilla. Yes. Yay! Yes. Oh my god, I want... Because he is writing it. He He's co-writing it right now, and provided that they get script approval, he will direct it. Um, nice. Oh, I can't wait to see what that's going to be like. Because that's because they have the rights to use the other Toho monsters now. I can't wait to see what him doing a kaiju film is going to look like. I hope it's set on Columbus Day or something. That would be... <laughs> yeah, it has to be... It has to be a holiday. It has to be a holiday. And it has yeah. to be a weird one. It has to be a weird one because he's done the two classics. You know, maybe this could be our Thanksgiving epic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's Arbor Day, Godzilla. I was just going to say Arbor Day and Godzilla is just in a forest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for years, one of my favorite uh, jokes from The Simpsons was uh, uh, when Homer did a uh, fortune cookie and he was like, you will find true love on Flag Day. I <laughs> yes. thought that was funny. <laughs> I didn't realize how funny that line was when I had a first date on Flag Day. <laughs> this is true. Nice. That's really and, funny. <laughs> oh no no no! It, it it keeps getting funnier because Albert, you can guess the out you can guess the outcome of that date. Yeah, the result is sitting uh, feet from you. I'm sure. <laughs> no, it's it's in it's in her bedroom actually. Now oh. I, I put her in her bedroom, but yes, I I thought that quote was funny, and then I found true love on Flag Day. So go figure. How about that? Go figure. <laughs> life is life is funny, but uh. I don't know. I, yeah, getting back to but getting back to this movie, I just it is so intricately crafted, and part of the problem was that it did get a good release in Australia, where the Spirigs are from. Well, yeah. It did not, but it, domestically, it was picked up by a small distributor, and then Columbia picked it up for video release. Uh, yeah, it was. Is wet. It was just not. This should have been given a treatment like Primer, if the. Which it did not get. It didn't. I didn't even play theatrically in Arkansas because if it had pl played theatrically, I would have gone to see it. Yeah, I was going to say, what other movies have they done? Because I'm unfamiliar. Uh, they did uh, Daybreakers with, which was also with Ethan Hawke, Sam Neill, Willem Dafoe. Sam Neill. Oh, yeah, absolutely top notch. In my opinion, I love that movie. It's hard to One go wrong most... with that cast. It's hard to go yeah. wrong with that cast. By the way, I've noticed that one thing I love about Hawk is that he really does work with directors repeatedly. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's—I think that's—that's that's a cool trait to see in an actor when they do work with directors multiple times. Uh, it, it isn't it also so cool that he's one of those actors that can do, you know, the more straightforward, mainstream, Oscar baity type things, you know, and then do the. Um, and then, and then Johnny does a genre flick like Sinister or yeah. Predestination or Assault on Precinct 13 or what have you. And he doesn't phone it in. Never. He does his no. job. Acts. He's a professional. He brings he, nuance and, you know, pathos to it. He acts. Sinister works as well as it does to a degree. 
because he he brings us through it. He enters it. Yeah. It's like John Cusack in 1408. There's mm-hmm. other characters on the periphery. There's other things important that's going on. But if you don't have that anchor, your movie doesn't work. He really it does. Makes well, you, get the, you get the very clear impression that he really loves doing genre stuff, too. Yeah. That he seeks it out. And that, you're right, he doesn't phone it in. He gives as much to this as he gave to Training Day. Yeah. Or Wizard. Or boyhood, yes. yeah. He gives everything he's got to everything he's doing. And I think that's why his career has endured so long when other actors who of, of his ilk did start to fade off and fall away. He's endured because he just gives everything he's got. And he's so consistently good. He, I, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen him in a – I've seen him in bad movies, but I haven't seen him be bad in movies. Exactly. And that's rare. And and yeah, boyhood, his his turn in that, especially because that could not have been easy. But then again, that's kind of his thing with Linklater is doing movies that play with time. The the before trilogy, of course, comes to mind. Which I still yeah. have yet to see. Uh, one of the great vital documents that we have in our culture. Uh, one that I'm really grateful that we have and that I strongly doubt will stay a trilogy. I, I, I think I hmm. think they'll keep going back. I think they'll keep going back to those as long as they're working. And that's fine. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, Linklater can keep doing whatever he wants. Uh, <laughs> he's, I'm got, there. he's got a blank check. Yeah, he does. He does for me. Uh, I just, I don't know. Movies, but getting back to this movie and its release... That's one thing that kind of is bothering me about the video on demand revolution is everybody says that oh it makes everything so accessible, but you then ha- that that but that's kind of the problem, is everything is being flung out and how do you know what is I mean I think a lot of people could hear this movie's plot synopsis and think oh it's something generic I've seen this before because there are a lot of times time travel is something that's very popular with low budget filmmakers. Hey, I'm yeah. I don't know if you know this, AJ, but I am, like, such a big fan of time travel anything. Like, if if a movie or a property has time travel in it, I'm just, I'm there. <laughs> that, that pretty much pre-sells you right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Mark II. I'm a Mark II. It's, it's pretty easy to, if you do it right, because I'm fascinated by time. I think a lot about it. Um, yeah, same. Uh, the great I, thing I about think... it is that you can approach it in so many different ways. You know, like you do something like this, where mm-hmm. it deals on the surface, it's a paradox movie. But again, like like Austin and like we were all saying, it, it goes back down to the personal and the emotional. Um, you know, my favorite time travel movies, of which this is probably there's probably three of them tied for one, mm-hmm. the, the number one. Yeah. Now. There's this, which just kind of came out of nowhere, number one with a bullet, or tied for number one. Yeah. Yeah. My favorites previous to this were Back to the Future because yes. Back to the Future. There we go. That's my pretty favorite. Much. That's my favorite it's one. Back to the future. It's Back to the Future, and that's pretty much it. And then my second favorite, or just a very, very kind of hanging out just a little underneath it, but almost in the top spot too, is Time After Time. I mm. I oh, Nicholas Meyer. I am not aware of this love one. Love Do tell. Time Meyer. Love it. Love it. 
And it's also my favorite romantic movie as well, romance movie, because, you know, I'm not necessarily a notebook kind of guy. But when you throw H.G. Wells time travel mm-hmm. into my romantic movie, hey, I'm on board. Let's do this. And, and Mary Steenburgen always uh, oh, got to give love this, to a got to live love to a got to give love to a local because she's from my hometown. Oh, yeah, she's she awesome. Yeah, she's from, uh, from the Little Rock area. What'd you say? No, I just said Miss Amy Robbins. She's wonderful. Oh, she's fantastic in in everything she does. And I read her uh, AV Club random roles. She just comes off as like the nicest person. It's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just I don't know. Those are good choices. Those are good choices. Yeah, you need to see time after time. Uh, talking about Back to the Future, I have just a cool story about this that I told on that cast. But uh, when I went to see it, there were a couple of uh, – because I, I went to see it at the uh, local theater. Uh, they showed it, and uh, it was a, almost a sold-out showing. And there were a couple of uh, teenagers behind me, and I was just sitting there going – because I'm so used to them showing up at movies and just kind of like rolling their eyes at it. Right. Because cynicism is just – oh, it's so popular. Yeah. And those guys sat there, and they laughed all right. They laughed hard at the movie. Nice. They laughed hard at it. Because it's a comedy, after all. Yes. And afterwards, I heard them talking about it. They're like, yeah, my dad was right. That was awesome. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to turn around and fist bump them and be like, yes, you get it. <laughs> you have the right idea. Yeah, also, man. yes, that movie is awesome. Yes. <laughs> I yeah, just, it's, uh, it stands the test of time. <laughs> hard stands the test. You're right, though. I mean, I th- those are good choices, and, and they're movies that all take their own approaches to time travel. And yes, <laughs> because Back to the Future is like, yeah, just just change the hell out of everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> screw. Fix your life, young man. Fix your life. Fix your world. Fix yeah. everything. Yeah, when when Trump won, uh, the best probably the best thing I heard. Yeah, I know was. Uh, uh, so Marty's going to uh, show up with the almanac, right? Did he miss it? Damn it! <laughs> God, I, I well, in that, in the, spirit, the worst thing I heard was so basically this proves that we never invent time travel, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like oh well, actually, well actually, we already know that we don't invent time travel because if we had invented it, we would know about it, or you know, or may I don't know. We would know for then, sure. Although I feel I'm pretty positive we would know for sure. <laughs> we would, we wouldn't. Yeah. Either that, or the people in the future are dicks, and they're the ones who yes. came back and acted on behalf of Russia. Let's just say. Yeah, that. there we go. Oh, please! Everybody knows Putin's a plant uh, by the U.S. defense industry, oh, yeah, uh, totally. designed to drive up defense stocks. Everybody knows that. Come on. Everybody knows Leonard Cohen. Everybody knows. <laughs> oh God! They played that at work the other day. So that should tell oh. you how that should tell you how my job reacted to the news. Oh. That that was their response was to play that at work. Um, I love my job, by the way. I really do kind of love my job. Uh, I, I love most of the people there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we're going to leave that in there so that anybody that I work with will be listening to this and wondering who was I talking about. <laughs> this is an awesome movie, and everybody that hasn't seen it slept on it. That's I mean that's really my opinion on it. I I, I just. This is just such an awesome film, and I, I wish more people would see it. I, I wish more people would see it. I, it, it's, it's not, not that hard to find. It's, it's available for rental online. 
It's not that hard to find. It is quick. It's paced like a bullet. Mm. Yeah. I it's got the, just to interject. I got the Blu-ray for less than ten bucks. There's yeah, no it's, and it's a good blind buy. Like it's it's a good blind buy. It because it, it's one you're going to go back to. It's to be experienced, and I don't know. This is movies like this though. They're not meant to be experienced on small screens. I really do wish this had gotten a better release. I mean, I would have gone to the art house for this. It's not like the art house is that hard for me to go to. Hell, I go to the shopping center that it's in three times a day. That's where the Walmart is. <laughs> that's the. That's what I love about Arkansas. The Walmart and the art house are in the same shopping center. There is something to be said for that. Yeah. Also, I sometimes I live uh, within a few blocks of the downtown area, and I have deer grazing in my neighborhood. <laughs> Arkansas. Arkansas. Woo. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my life, but. I don't know. This is just this is a this is just an awesome movie. But um, uh, AJ, one of the things that we always have people do when they're on as guests is to ask them what their favorite movies are. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I can I know for sure what one of those is going to be. Follows on Twitter has has seen this, I would say, but uh, I'll go ahead and throw it out there again. Um, my favorite movie of all time um, is Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the entire reason why I'm even talking to you guys today, why I'm doing a podcast as, nice. a, as, a, as a very happy guest, why I write about movies, why I attempt to write fiction and scripts and stuff. I saw that at six years old. It changed my life. It, it is the I can't argue. thing I have ever seen, period. I love, I love it. I love it. It's, it's the best thing my dad did for me, too. Let's just say that. Nice. <laughs> He took me when I was six, and if nothing else, I will always give him credit for taking me to see that. Movie. Yeah. Uh, probably my second favorite of all time would be the thing, the John Carpenter remake. It's my favorite horror movie, and I just saw that for the first time recently, and whew. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And then um, True Romance. Mm-hmm. I love True Romance. It's my favorite. Uh, you can't go wrong with Tony Scott and Quentin Tarantino teaming up. It's Quentin had the greatest line about that, which was because the movie is a lot of it is autobiographical in terms of character and his feelings. He said watching it was like watching a big budget home movie of your life. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. It's just a psychotic thought. Um, <laughs> I, then, I, I, by the way, last, oh, go ahead. real quick, I just have to interject. One of my other favorite things about that movie is that. Tarantino, you know, people asked him, how did he feel about Scott being the guy to step on doing? He's like, that's the guy that did Revenge. Yes, that's the guy I want doing this movie. <laughs> yeah. And I know he's I famously... Was so cool that that's the one he picked. But I mean, not surprising. But it's no, it's cool. Tarantino, come on. Yeah. And then going on. Um, and then uh, rounding out my top five of all time uh, would be The Lord of the Rings because I see that as one long-ass movie. It is one movie. Um, and it has everything it has everything you want in a movie to me. It's got it all. It's exciting and moving and thought provoking and scary and romantic and exciting. And it's it's what the grandfather described the princess bride to the grandson as being. It's got everything. You know, yeah. giant fighting, fencing, you know, all of that. True love. That's the Lord of the Rings. Um, and then my fifth and final movie in my top five of all time uh, is a new recent addition to the group 
Um, but, but it hit me very, 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 very hard. And that would be Cloud Atlas. I love, love, love Cloud Atlas. Now, I know that there are people who love it. And there are people who really, really do not love it. And that's okay. That's cool. But the film me, room, we've been very clear on our stance on how we feel about the Wachowski sisters. Yeah. Very, very, very clear. So your In choice is approved of. They are, they're yeah. just amazing. Uh, we did, we did a cast on Speed Racer. I had not seen it until this year, and Speed Racer is just ah. Uh, I watched that a couple nights ago. I needed it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's joy. It is pure cinematic joy. It is just such. It's such a love letter to everything good and right in the world. I love it so much. I think and that's I'm, the key right there. Everything good and right in the world. It's about being a good. good yeah. It's about the power of family. It's about rejecting the easy way out. It's about not doing the reason why so many people don't do the right things because it's the hard thing. They always want to go for the easy thing, and that's why we are where we are. Yeah. But that movie has a lot to say, a lot to say. And on top of that, it's just a shitload of fun to watch. Oh God, it's so I'm so mad that I watched it on a computer and not like I should have seen it in the theater. Yeah, Ugh. I saw. I it. missed it in the theater. I did miss it in the theater, but I have a, de- a pretty decent sized TV screen, and watching it in Blu-ray is like it's like having your brain or your eyeballs washed out with Clorox too. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Everything yeah. is just bright so and bright. right there. Technicolor, beautiful, beautiful. So those are those are uh, my top five. AJ's top five: Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Thing, uh, True Romance. Lord of the Rings and Tidal. That's my. That's my. Okay. Those are my well, anything you want to plug? Also, um, just uh, I I do some writing for Daily Grindhouse, which is awesome. Awesome, and awesome a great site. Place to go to on the net. Very inclusive. Great community. Really, Love really good writers. Really good writers. And um, I also contribute to Horror View. That's the very first place I ever wrote anything that was put out anywhere online. Uh, that's where you can find my predestination review. Awesome. Nice. Which we will uh, link I'm to, by Twitter the way. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, awesome. Uh, that's pretty much it. I, I just, I, I enjoy my movies. I love this stuff. I love it. And, and I cannot thank you guys enough for inviting me today. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. I really, really was- appreciate it. It was a joy to have you, and yeah, uh, you will be invited back. We all, we we like to we like to have our guests back, and oh, absolutely, yeah. I uh, like to work with you again, Richard Linklater. Call me Ethan Hawke. <laughs> now let's now let's have some fun with the wrap up because normally we have to do a long long wrap up where we list a bunch of places. We don't have to anymore. Let's make this easy. You can find us at thefilmroom.org. Yes, yeah, we. <laughs> We have hit Period. our we have hit our thirty dollar mark. Sheila did the last push for us. Yeah, but really everyone's responsible. Sheila, Daisy, Nathan, uh, Sean from No Totally, Barack, and Bridget. Yes, guys, we have more planned. We we are going to be announcing. Uh, they they may already be up by the time that y'all hear this. We do have some stretch goals. We have some further goals. We have some ideas. And we're going to give you guys some extra content if we hit those goals. Because one of the things we're planning on doing is I'm going to watch and do some video 
I'm going to watch and do some audio reviews of some Christian films that are ones that nobody has heard of. I'm going to be trying to do stuff that Brad Jones hasn't covered. Oh, my. <laughs> Which, by the way, that was one of the painful things is we were doing uh, – we found one that was so weird and so obscure, and we did it on our cast. We did the cast on a Sunday. On the Monday that after we had recorded our cast, he did the film. Yes. On the Cinema Snob. <laughs> oh, what? and he killed it. He killed it. He gave it such a great review. So I have plans to cover some of those. I have, we have ideas. We have a potential radio drama we'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to throw that as a Patreon goal. We have things we want to do, y'all. Help us. Help us. But, uh, but we are so excited to be at our site. We are building it. Hopefully by the time that everybody hears this, we will have built the full archive. Yeah, I've at least half of it is up now. Um, I think um, all of the blog that's going to go up is there. Yeah, it's and the site looks. I'm I'm not I'm not being self congratulatory when I say this. The site looks beautiful. That's it looks good. It looks great. That's mostly thanks to WordPress and their tools. Yeah, um, WordPress is amazing. We can't. You're, you're, if if y'all are on social media, you see a lot of ads for WordPress. They're good. Listen, <laughs> use them. They're fantastic. I have used them since uh, 2014 for my blog, uh, which I just did a lengthy entry on last night, where I basically worked out my existential crisis. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I spent about a thousand words working out my existential <laughs> crisis. But I cannot say enough good about WordPress. But that's that, and. Yeah, you can. I hear. Yeah, uh, so yeah, go to the contact page for all of our uh, social media stuff there, and of course, the patreon.com slash filmroom. We're still on iTunes. We're, We're still, still on, on iTunes. The Podbean app. We're still on Podbean, yes. Uh, uh, so yeah, you can. I just have to say real quick before uh, I walked into Lola's room, and she just shot me like her eyes went so big. And <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> so yeah this is fun this is a fun job I have not a bad one nope not a bad one at all so anyway go on anyway so yeah yeah so all the usual stuff just that's that's gonna be our wrap up from now on just thefilmroom.org and patreon.com slash thefilmroom and iTunes and Podbean yep till then y'all see you later Adios. It could be ten, but then again, I can't remember half an hour since I got it up all. Throw your clothes a second, set it up for us, and you leave me with my jaw on the floor.
knowing, knowing the future you're about to create, knowing the purpose of that life, you'll influence the past. Can we change our futures? I, I don't know. The only thing I know for sure is that you are the best thing that's ever happened to me.